All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. Uh, this is Location Weekly, and this is our annual prediction show. Uh, so happy new year, everybody. We took a week off to celebrate. Abriana, how are you? Are you fully celebrated? I Yeah, I, I have celebrated everything. I have celebrated thankfulness and... <laughs> the birth of Christ and a new year. And today we celebrated three Kings day or Dia de los Reyes Magos. And so, and tomorrow I have my daughter's uh, five year birthday. So I have been celebrating nonstop. This is a busy celebration season for me. Um, but yeah, happy new year, man. 2020. I know it's crazy. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, I gained 10 pounds and I have to go like on a month long fast or something now. Cause it's just, what? So much food. Yeah. We, and we also had, uh, my dad's 80th birthday party on Saturday with like a whole bunch of extended family. So that was just another feast of way too much food. And, uh, yeah. celebrating, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. It's sort of done. I hope it's done. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, we are back and this is episode number 445. And uh, yeah, so we're recording live on January 6th here. And uh, as I said, this is our annual prediction show. So a little bit different format um, where we're just going to talk about what we think, you know, could be some of the big trends in 2020. Um, we also have, uh, we tend to, when we do these shows, pick a company that we think is super exciting to watch in 2020. And um, yeah, so let's, I think we'll just jump right into it. Abriana, you want to, you kick us off with your first uh, prediction trend for, for the year. All right. Well, I'll just go ahead and get the kind of less exciting one out of the way. We talked a lot about this um, in our final show of 2019 when we were covering the New York Times piece and, you know, really talking about the implications of data on our privacy as consumers. Um, and so, you know, we obviously had some thoughts around, you know, what's good and what's bad. And, and um, I expect that will be a continued trend as it has been the past few years in 2020. I think we're going to see more privacy regulations. But what I'm hopeful for is also, um, and challenges, but I'm hopeful that we see the, uh, the progress and movement towards one, bringing it all under, you know, for the U.S., one federal, you know, regulation that is streamlined across all of the states and properties and, and that we're not kind of doing this state by state because it makes it really complicated for anybody in the industry, anybody who wants to do any digital marketing or, you know, data capturing um, to comply. Uh, but also, you know, I hope that we get the right, the legislation right this time, because I think that there's some good things and there's some bad things with the way that we've set it up. And I just hope that um, we get the right people in front of um, the, you know, the lawmakers to make sure that technology and industries are considered, um, as well as the impact implications on privacy. So, um, I think that what we'll see as well, it, that will be affected by this. I think we're going to see a decrease in data that's available, whether that's movement data, location data, audience data, all of those things. But I think that we'll see an increase in the quality of data. So uh, because consumers are staying opted in or not opting out or choosing to opt in or we're leveraging more first party data, I think the value of that data and the quality of that data we're going to see continue to go up. Um, and then, you know, I think the true test of all of this, honestly, though, is going to be around our elections here 
um, and how this plays out because we all know that politics do not play clean. They like to play dirty. And so let's see who actually abides by all of these rules that um, our own government is putting in place. So uh, that's my first prediction, yeah. Yeah, think? so I, I mean, I, th I think uh, in a lot of ways you're bang on. I think that, uh, you know, there's certainly going to be limits this year in the availability of data. You will probably see just like with GDP, when GDPR came in in Europe, some companies could not get compliant just in terms of how their technology was architected um, and pulled out of uh, certain markets. Um, so, so I think, you know, if we end up in, in a more regulated, national regulated environment in the U.S., I think you're going to see, you know, some companies go under. Um, but, you know, I will say this. I, I think while what you're saying I agree with in terms of the availability of data will, will go down and, and the quality of the data will go up, completely agree with that. Um, I'm not sure that given the current political climate, given it's an election year, given a number of other things that, you know, we're gonna be able to get legislation through at a national level in the US in, in 2020. I just, I can't see it happening. Um, and uh, you may get a couple more states, you know, kind of follow the, the California uh, CCPA um, type of uh, framework, but um, I think it's gonna be difficult to, to kind of get anything happening, especially if your uh, government ends up in a, uh, in, in a war uh, with Iran or whoever else right now. So uh, I think there's just gonna be a lot of distraction um, and uh, it'll, it'll be tough to get something through. So yeah, uh, but, but definitely privacy and, and quality of data re remain you know, uh, paramount issues in our industry and is definitely something to watch. All right, um, on my side, I think the first thing I wanted to talk about is uh, I think this is the year where 5, 5G becomes a thing. Um, and uh, you know we've we've heard from the mobile operators uh, around the globe. China is all over this already. Japan's all over this already. Obviously, uh, you know they've got the leg up there with the Olympics coming this summer. So there's been a lot of infrastructure investments. Um, but I think um, you know sort of the advent and the rollout of 5G really changes the game um, for our industry uh, and and for the public. Uh, overall as well. So you're talking about, you know, delivering broadband speed over mobile. You're talking about really true video streaming, enhanced location-based services, um, you know, j just, you know, data capacity and speed um, that 5G affords, I think is really amazing. Um, and so I, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, what you can do with video in particular, um, you know, over this type of network, um, and, and, and the quality of that video as well, uh, from everything from, you know, home security monitoring cameras and ring cameras that we were just talking about earlier, uh, you know, over mobile devices, uh, to, you know, Amazon shipments to, you know, you name it. I think 5G really has the ability to kind of change a lot of what we can do and what we can deliver, um, and the quality, uh, and availability of data in a lot of ways. So in some ways, it, you know, it counteracts, you know, the privacy rules. But on the other side, I think it also, you know, heightens the issue, right? Uh, I think it means that there's more data and there's more services and there's more flowing across the network, meaning there's more we need to be uh, taking better control uh, over and more care over as well. So, um, you know, so, so I think 5G is a game changer for, for 2020. 
Yeah, I so I agree with most of that um, for sure. I do think that 5G will be a game changer for a lot of different reasons. Um, obviously, speed of things, including advertising. Um, but, you know, one thing that I do think is going to be a challenge is I think it's going to be um, slower getting rolled out than we anticipate. So uh, I know that we've been we've been talking here in the States for five about 5G for a while now. Um, but I think that it's going to, you know, because of the need for there to be so many towers, so many places for that signal to, um, you know, latch on to. And uh, I think that it's going to be a much slower pace um, transition to 5G than we are anticipating here. But I do think that we'll see some significant uptick uh, this year, just maybe not as much as people are, are hoping for. So, yeah, cool. All right, well, kind of on the ad tech subject, this is sort of an overarching um, topic. I think we're gonna see some big ad tech changes this year in 2020. Um, and I will start off with sort of what CTV and OTT are doing in, in the space and how that's changing things up and with the ability to do this sort of like one-to-one -one marketing and advertising and you know showing me an ad for a minivan and my neighbor an ad for a sports car uh, from the same maker, um, you know, we're talking about how does this roll out and how does the technology behind it work. So I think we're going to see a lot of advancements on bridging different um, programmatic advertising as a whole and the different channels, but also the data that we leverage for those channels. So you know, we've seen a lot of this mobile data that's been able to you know be used to. Um, enhance even just stationary billboards as well as digital out of home um, as well as you know anything from traditional media media streaming so I think we're going to continue to see that data affected there um, and then I think we're going to see a lot more AI and machine learning continue to develop here so we're going to look at you know all the different mediums relying on great amounts of, of this data that we we always reference here on the show and we talk a lot about whether it's the privacy side of things or you know all the cool stuff that we can do with it um, and then the last thing for ad tech I think we're going to see a lot more acquisitions we saw so many in 2019 we saw a lot of bigger companies kind of just eating up smaller companies you know utilizing one small piece of technology here something else there and I think that we're going to see you know we're going to see strength you know more strengthening of the quality companies um, and I think we're going to see some of these you know smaller players being weeded out um, just because they may not have something that's, you know, setting them apart, or maybe they're not using the best data, or maybe their approach isn't the best. Um, but I think that we're just going to continue to see more acquisitions uh, in this space. And it's going to certainly further identify um, and solidify who the key players are um, in the ad tech industry. Yeah, uh, so I'll pick up on the on your last point. I, like, I completely agree with, uh, I, I think we're going to see uh, a lot a lot of acquisition activity uh, this year. A lot of smaller players coming together, a lot of roll-ups um, and things like that. And I think for me, one of the reasons for that is, is I actually on the, in the ad tech space, I think we're gonna see a slowdown in the IPO uh, rollout this year um, than what we've seen in the past. And I think a lot of that, you know, is gonna kind of come on the backs of, you know, what's happened with WeWork and what's happened with a number of companies. Um, you know, where there just wasn't, you know, good vetting of management and team and, you know, a whole bunch of other characteristics of these businesses that, um, 
you know, cause these collapses. I mean, look at, you know, what Uber has had to go through to kind of get reborn again um, and, and so on. Right. So I, I think, I, I think um, from an investment perspective, I think we're going to see less of an interest in sort of going the IPO route with these big ad tech companies this year and more of an appetite for let's fund, you know, some acquisitions, some M&A activity, some roll-ups of, of, you know, maybe, you know, four or five small companies in, in an area, you know, into one bigger player um, that can compete, uh, you know, with a Google or a Facebook or, you know, somebody else, you know, that uh, they can't compete with on their own, you know, at, at the scale that they have. So, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I like that. So, um, okay. So for me, you know, I'm going to, I'll call this tech, uh, you know, going political um, and kind of centering in again on, uh, on your upcoming election in the US, you know, I think there's, there's, there's kind of two issues here for me. I, I think what, what we're seeing is, is um, posturing right now, you know, the Democratic candidates, many of them, um, you know, who are, who are running for leadership of the party, um, you know, and, and on the other side, the Republicans and so on. You, you know, this battle about, uh, you know, the power of the big players, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons, you know, threats from Elizabeth Warren of breaking up these companies and splitting them up into pieces and, it, you know, all those kinds of things. And obviously, you know, Facebook's cozied up to uh, to the Trump administration. You, you, you've got a lot of kind of this, this maneuvering going on with the big te ad tech uh, players in the space, right? And at the same time, you know, dovetail that now with the, uh, the data privacy discussions that, you know, we've been having and you just raised uh, in your first uh, point. Um, I, I think there's a lot of issues that need to get resolved. And yet at the same time, everybody, you know, from the local candidate level, you know, on up, it wants to leverage this data to influence the election, to influence, you know, the voter turnout, to influence campaign strategies, to influence all of it. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of ad dollars roll into our industry, uh, against these platforms to buy, you know, audiences and to buy segments and to buy, you know, targeting, uh, of, you know, the population to, you know, try and win, uh, support and win votes and win favor. So, um, I think you're going to see a lot of location-based advertising, you know, around the political uh, spectrum. And then I think the other side of it, uh, is, um, you know, sort of the, the, the geopolitical part of it in terms of the role that other countries, uh, you know, ad tech uh, platforms, let's say, you know, play in what's going on in the U.S. or North America overall. So, you know, you know platforms like TikTok that are super popular uh, right now with the consumer population, you know, that some say is, you know, a Chinese spy tool and things like this. Like, so, so you have a lot of this kind of discussion about, you know, do, do platforms get banned completely from certain markets? Um, so not just breaking up companies, but, you know, sort of just annexing, you know, companies out of markets completely, um, you know, because of, you know, potentially, uh, you know, geopolitical issues, you know, with Russia or China or, or whatever else the case might be. So I, th I think you're going to see our industry really change in terms of how the data is used from a political perspective what it might mean based on the outcomes of these elections potentially for these bigger players uh, in terms of their ability to move forward uh, and operate. And uh, yeah, I think, I think the politics play a big role in tech this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that we saw the impact that data can have in this past election. Um, and, you know, something I was reading recently was, you know, there's a lot of companies that are that are doing this sort of um, real time vetting of all this different media and advertising. And it may be from the same political party or the same message, but they may be able to test out something like 5,500 ads, you know, in a very quick time frame to see what resonates. Um, and then by obviously consumers response to those ads, they can sort of micro segment you. Um, which is what we saw again in the past election. So I think that they're, you know, think about what technology can do and how it can evolve in four years. That's a massive amount of change and um, new capabilities that are, you know, for the taking probably from either political party. So I, I totally agree with you on that one. Ooh. All right. So um, my next prediction is something that we've, we've talked about this a lot on the show, but voice on the rise, obviously. Um, I think we're going to continue just to see how we have different use cases for voice. You know, we've seen it um, for search a lot, obviously, but we're going to continue to see new things um, and implications for voice. You know, I think about all the ways that I use it with, you know, my smart devices at home, uh, whether it's like on my TV or with other devices on my phone, you know, that we're constantly using it. And I think that we're going to just continue to see that evolve, whether that's for ordering, um, you know, new things or just convenience factors or, you know, anything and everything. Um, you know, one of the stats that we had had on a pretty recent podcast that we did was just about how um, I think voice search had risen like 30 percent um, since like 2017 or something. It was just a massive amount. And it was. Um, just crazy that, you know, more searches have been done with voice than have been done for like, you know, the entire first 10 years of search availability. So it's just crazy how quickly this has grown. And I definitely anticipate that growing a lot, not super groundbreaking or exciting for those of you who are listening or watching. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm ex like, I'm excited to hear you know, some like small startup that comes in and just does something really cool voice that we're like, whoa, you know, cause somebody's going to do it. I don't know who, but somebody's going to come mm -hmm. in and do something way beyond, you know, search or ordering that we, we have not thought of. So I think that could happen this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think voice is, you know, it, it's going to be a huge year for, for the growth of voice at a number of levels, whether it's in the home or in the car, or, you know, um, in the office building, I think you're going to see it all over the place. Uh, it's interestingly enough, I, uh, for Christmas this year, my son, you know, he who's loves playing around with all kinds of little tech, and that's his that's his thing. So he one of the things he got for Christmas was this package of these like smart plugs, like so you you, you stick it into a normal uh, outlet, and it's a Wi-Fi connected, or it actually can connect over Bluetooth or Zigbee or anything. But he's using it with Wi-Fi, so it connects to the Wi-Fi modem in our in our home. And he's got like three or four four of these, I think, in in his bedroom. And he's got all of his things hooked up to these different plugs, from his fish tank in his room, like the light on his fish tank, to you know other lights, uh, you know, throughout his room. And so and, and so he's got this all connected to his phone. He's got an Amazon uh, Echo in his room as well. And he's got the app for that and he's got it all synced up and he's basically linked all these plugs and built this whole sort of routine. And he can basically say, you know, Amazon, uh, it's bedtime. And basically it, it turns off all the different lights in his room all in one command. 
Um, and, and he has like a white noise machine that he puts on for sleeping and it turns that on at the same time. Like, it's just, it's amazing like that you can kind of do all this just with, you know, smart plugs and kind of tying it all together. It's really cool. So Love it. yeah. Um, all right. So the last one for me, and we kind of touched on this is, is just kind of the role that AI is going to play this year. Uh, obviously here in Toronto, it's kind of like the hotbed for AI startups right now. Hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars are flowing into investment in AI companies. Um, and this is happening all over the world. We just happen to be one of the biggest hubs for it here. But, um, you know, for me, I think it, it's, it's not the sort of Terminator, you know, robot revolution type of AI that we see in the movies. Uh, this is kind of the AI that, um, you know, nobody notices. It, it, it just sort of creeps into everyday life. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of that. A lot of companies be very successful in, um, you know, what I'll, what I'll say is like AI as a, as a service. So you're seeing like Microsoft and IBM with Watson and a whole bunch of different kind of service providers like that kind of provide these AI platforms uh, on a subscription type of model that can kind of just power a lot of things. And of course we, we use uh, platforms like that in what we do uh, in my cannabis startup, Grand Level Insights, uh, that sits on this sort of AI machine learning type of, of platform as well. Um, so I think you're gonna see, you know, sort of that kind of growth. I think the other part of where we see AI, it, I think is on the hardware side, and that's something we don't talk about too much, but I think uh, like companies like uh, Intel and Cisco and companies like that are building AI directly into chips, into hardware, into, uh, um, you know, just, just the devices that are all around us. Uh, and so you actually see the AI, uh, you don't see the AI, but the AI exists, you know, on the chip or in the hardware or in the thermostat or in, you know, uh, whatever part of the, the, the building where that equipment sits. And, um, and it's kind of just doing its thing and it's learning all the time. And the interesting thing for me about that is, I don't know if you saw recently, I don't think we talked about it on the show, but, you know, we talk about a lot about these smart speakers. Um, and Sonos went out and did a deal with some little company in, in Sweden somewhere. They acquired some, some AI company uh, over there. And what they're doing is now with all their Sonos uh, new, tech, new uh, hardware that's coming out, they're actually taking the, the AI and the smarts of that voice technology, uh, tying back to what you're saying, and they're actually building it into the device itself. So the device is actually smart and can do what it wants to do uh, or what you want it to do without actually being connected to the internet. Um, so it's all local. Um, and that's super interesting to me, right? To have the smarts in, in the device. And I think you're gonna see a ton more of that type of stuff and a lot more VC funding flowing into that space. Yeah, I think that's really cool because as you know, from you know house to house or person to person, that type of building those models is going to vary drastically, right? So, um, you know, something that's funny is like lately, I don't know what's going on with my Alexa at home, but you know, she's just been kind of like freaking out randomly and and doesn't, um, I don't know, she, she doesn't hear what we're saying or she just thinks we're saying something completely different. It's like, all of a sudden we're speaking a new language to her. And so I think that, you know, being able to obviously um, cater towards each individual consumer who purchases a device or, you know, be able to learn different behaviors based on how you perform versus the norm or, you know, because everybody's going to have different things, I think is really cool. Um, so yeah, I think that there's, there's so many different things that we're going to see developed there, as you stated. Um, some will, will notice and others, 
maybe not at all. And hopefully there's no uh, AI that we see being used for bad or losing control or taking over humans. <laughs> not this year. Yeah, so there you go. And then I guess the last, just to throw one other little point in, um, not related to AI, but in terms of just one other trend from, from my side, and, and I won't go into too deep, but I think one of the other things, I, I was just reading this article recently about uh, the growth of facial recognition. We've talked about this on the show on and off, um, and obviously in, in some US states, it's not happening at all, like, or some cities like San Francisco banned it completely. But I think overall, we're seeing a growth around this. Uh, in China, obviously, it's everywhere, it's mandated. Uh, I think in the Asian uh, markets overall, we're going to see a lot more of this. Uh, but these guys were saying, um, I'm just going to go to the stats here. They said that it's projected to grow 12.5% uh, annually um, between now and 2024, the use of facial recognition technology. Um, so that's that's significant to me. And, and it, um, it's projected to be a $9.06 billion market by that same time in 2024. So I think governments are investing in this for sure. Um, you've got uh, just even in the U.S., the FBI has a facial recognition database that covers 117 million Americans, apparently. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So when you think you're being tracked by your phone. Yeah. Your, your face is out there, too. So there you go. Um, so well, yeah, my, that, my small extra prediction was sort of towards your industry, unless you had more to add on the facial. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Throw in your, your last one there. No, this was just like an extra tidbit. Since we were talking about things that grow, um, I was saying I think we're going to see a lot of growth in the cannabis industry, um, especially the technology around that, obviously. So things from how um, the earth is reading and, you know, does the plant need more, more moisture and all of those different types of things to how do, uh, dispensaries and, um, different, you know, growers move things around and how do they make their product even better? They understand the behaviors, behaviors of their consumers. Um, you know, it's a typical CPG type of dilemma because you've got lots of different strains and lots of different, you know, just like you have lots of different types of soda or, you know, items in a grocery store. I think we're going to see a lot of growth um, in technology around that industry. It's really been quite untapped, you know, to this point, just because now we're just starting to see legalization um, as a whole in Canada and state by state here in the U.S. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how things develop this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Obviously, I you know, I'm building a company around it, so I have to agree with that. Um, yeah, so I mean, for us at Ground Level Insights, I think you know it's going to be a big year. Uh, you know, we're uh, we're seeing a lot of demand already, just in in potential retail operators and from the growers themselves in terms of trying to understand what products to develop uh, and looking for data to kind of help guide and steer a lot of that uh, in terms of where to put their ad dollars um, and, and, and where to kind of put their product development. Um, you know, if you, if you look at CPGs like guys like Coca-Cola, for example, you know, they don't just go and say, we're going to develop a new, you know, flavored beverage, you know, without, you know, looking at a lot of data and kind of looking at what the demand might look like and, you know, complementary products in the market that people are, you know, already consuming and all kinds of things like that. And I think for cannabis, it's the same. Um, as you mar as these markets legalize you know these companies are looking for data to help justify where to kind of put their where to put their money in, and uh, where to build stores and from a site selection perspective and all those kinds of things um, you know the same things that apply you know to the rest of the world of retail and, and you 
know, how we use location data. So I think for sure, um, excited about that. And um, yeah, so that's our predictions for the year. Um, so one of the things we also do uh, on this show every year is we pick a company that we think is kind of a company to watch in 2020 um, that we're excited about. And so Abriana, I wanna, I'll throw it over to you to start. Oh, okay. So um, as, I, as I told Asif, I am definitely voting for myself for uh, prom queen this year. And I have, uh, you know, big and high hopes um, and expectations for Gather Lab. So obviously this is the new uh, business unit of Digital Envoy that we spun off in 2019. And so, um, you know, with everything that's happening, I think in the, uh, the privacy concerns and, and the data space there, and the approach that we're taking from a non-PII perspective and just uh, the integrity that we've had as a 20-year player in the location-based data and services industry, I am um, I'm very confident that we have the ability to differentiate ourselves and make a name for ourselves in 2020. And our approach on the industry, I think, will make a big impact um, on, you know, not only big enterprises that, that utilize this type of, of data and services, but also smaller businesses who have sort of been looking for opportunities to better understand their consumers and maybe just couldn't do it with the larger players in the space. So um, I think it's going to be an awesome year for us. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to spend too much time going into it because I know you have a, a little bit of a bigger company to talk about next. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you know, excited for, for you guys and where you're going to go this year. And I think, uh, I, I think it's, I think, you know, kind of your approach to it, obviously, you know, we believe in at uh, the LBMA and, and at ground level. And obviously we're, we're working with you guys as well. And uh, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm only, uh, you know, high hopes for, uh, for where Gather is going to go this year. So, um, yeah, on my side, I, you know, a little bit bigger company, um, Amazon, uh, you know, I, I picked these guys two years ago as well. And, but the reason I'm picking them this year, I think is, um, slightly different. Um, and that is they have a program that we haven't talked about on this show, um, that I think is, could, could really change the game, especially for, uh, SMBs, um, in the market, uh, coming into 2020 and it, it, they call it FBA, which means, uh, uh, fulfillment business. Um, and, and um, and so what, what I like about it is that if you're a small business, if you're a retailer, if you have products that you sell, if you have to keep inventory, Basically, what Fulfilled by Amazon is, is, is a program that takes all of that complexity of, you know, the inventory, the storage, the fulfillment, the shipping, all that kind of stuff that's a hassle for a small business, um, you know, to do and kind of offloads that to Amazon, who's obviously the best in the world at doing that. I mean, nobody else can do prime delivery in, you know, one day. Uh, like they can. Um, and so if you think about it, no matter what your small business is, uh, you know, if you've got your own little, you know, cosmetic line that you promote on Instagram, or you've got, you know, some branded t-shirts that you sell or, or whatever it is, you know, all you have to do now is worry about your marketing and your promotion and your brand. Um, and you, you know, your, uh, you know, you know, your web presence and, 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 and your social media and all of that and kind of 
promoting what you're good at. And then when it comes to the orders and the fulfillment of those orders, you can actually turn that all over to Amazon, have them store your product in their warehouse, have them ship it out with all their expertise and all their, uh, you know, people resources to get that done, uh, you know, for a very uh, low cost, efficient way. And of course, you know, the benefit to them is they're getting more data on everything, which is what they do. Uh, but the benefit to you, I think, uh, as a small business owner, uh, or even a bigger business owner, mid-sized business owner, um, you know, I think is it could be huge with this. So, you know, kind of think about Amazon as a, a third-party fulfillment uh, service for your products and services. Yeah, you know what I really like about this part, though, and this prediction, Asif, uh, for Amazon is that Amazon basically took what they had done with the cloud and they just replicated it with real life. So, uh, you know, everything that they're storing for you from a data perspective yeah. in the cloud, they are now doing in real life with real, you know, hard goods <laughs> that, you know, can be shipped and delivered anywhere. So um, it's like, it just makes sense because uh, they're playing in an industry where you think like, oh, this is a whole new vertical, but in essence, they're doing the same thing just with, um, you know, physical goods and, and instead of, you know, digital, which is pretty yeah. amazing. Now, the, the, the downstream effect for this is, is if, if a lot of companies start embracing this, you know, what does this mean for FedEx and, you know, UPS and DHL and, you know, all those kinds of companies, um, you know, that all of a sudden don't have that business? Um, I don't know. Because eventually right. one of them are going to get acquired by Amazon. <laughs> there you go. Right. There you go. There's a prediction. <laughs> There's a prediction. So, so that's it. That's our show. Um, you know, you, uh, thank you for listening and watching every week. Um, Hopefully, um, you know, it's been a little bit different today. And so if you've got feedback, if you've got your own predictions, if you've got ideas and where you think the market's going this year, uh, by all means, reach out to us and let us know. Uh, we're easily found on all the social media channels uh, out there, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, uh, all over the place. Um, so uh, we, we just thank you for listening and watching every single week. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, our regular uh, format. So thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.